Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. Want to say hello to everybody watching us this afternoon. It is a Thursday edition of the show where we are going to break down everything that happened from this morning's Bucks training camp. The Bucks were off yesterday. They were back at it today. Wearing shells. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. And it was the best practice for Russell Gage in particular since he has come back from a hamstring injury. It was a day mostly dominated by the defense, but Russell Gage did play very, very well this morning. So a lot to get into for this episode. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my colleague from PewterReport.com. Adam Slavon, that was with me at practice today. Adam, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Even though we're in the dog days of summer, early August, every day in Tampa Bay, it feels like 100 degrees. Don't even know what day a training camp really is because they all kind of blend together. Still doing great. And there's still a lot of headlines related to the Bucks uh, that I'm excited to get into. Yeah, very much so. And it's crazy with the heat today because I was talking with Bailey Adams, who Bailey did a fantastic job uh, co-hosting the Pat and Aaron show on WDAE this morning. I will actually be co-hosting again tomorrow morning. So if you want to talk some bucks early in the morning from 6 to 8 a.m., I will be co-hosting that show. But uh, Bailey was looking at his phone. He's like, I don't believe this. It's like 84 degrees. I was like, that's not possible. And they said it feels like. It's 97, but we noticed kind of early on, I got to give a shout out to Zach Blobner from the J and Z show. He was the first guy to notice it about a little less than halfway through practice. Zion McCollum, and he's okay now. So no need to worry Bucks fans, but Zion McCollum had to, you know, take a break on the side. The trainers came over. They had like a giant sponge of of what I presume is cold water, putting it on his neck. He may have uh, blown some chunks as they say, over on the sideline, obviously dealing with that heat. Another thing we noticed too, Adam, was a lot more water breaks in between yeah. drills that more we've seen in, in the week of practice since the Bucks began training camp. I Yeah, definitely. Since the start of training camp, you haven't really seen the players take as many breaks as they did today. And I also wonder if that's a byproduct of having yesterday off and like just getting back in the flow. It, it's hard to keep up and practice in the heat so props to the players for for battling through it because every day really is a battle out there no question about it and i think that'll make tomorrow's practice even that much more exciting because the bucks kind of eased their way through practice today i don't think that they i think there's a lot of effort put in i'm not knocking anyone's hustle or anything like that or can't knock the hustle as jay-z once said it just seemed like because it, it was just interesting that they wore Shell, they went inside the other night, and that was its own type of practice. And then they come back out, and everyone's in shells once again. It leads me to believe that everybody is uh, ready to go for Friday's practice and Saturday as well. As you start getting into game mode a little bit more, obviously players are trying to make the team. But when you have opponent close ahead, you know that always ramps it up a little bit more. And a guy that's had a break for a little while, has been Russell Gage. He came back this week, was dealing with the hamstring injury. And Adam, while the offense struggled in total today, Russell Gage was not one of those players that uh, that I would say struggled. He had his best performance 
since returning, uh, at least in 2023. And I don't think it's a surprise that he played so well because he was in more team activities than he really has been so far. Yeah, I would say today he was one of the few bright spots on the offense and what was mostly a defense-dominated uh, practice session. But for Gage, uh, today he had a big play down the right sideline. John Wolford connected with him uh, about 20 yards. So that was a nice play. And then also yesterday, uh, Kyle Trask connected with Russell Gage on a unique play where Gage was coming from the left, motioned to the right out of the backfield and gained about, I would say, like 10 yards. So it's just really nice seeing like the motion and formations that Gage is being utilized in because he can really be a secret weapon within the Buccaneers offense this season because you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Defensive backs are going to be paying attention to them. Gage coming in, uh, joining the Bucs as a free agent last season, he spent over 60% of his snaps within the slot. So having both of them on the outside, he can be a lethal target in the slot if that's how Dave Canales' offense chooses to use him. Right, and that's something that uh, a lot of people have been asking for because, like, Chris Godwin was such the slot guy over the past couple of years. And, you know, we've heard Brad Isaac talk about it, the Bucks wide receivers coach, and, and Dave Canales, too, that, you know, they want to line Chris Godwin up outside more because he still is very, very capable of doing that. Well, someone has to line up in the slot then. And we know Mike Evans is going to move around. Mike spoke about that recently during his press conference. Chris Godwin had already been moving around. But if you want someone to truly, truly take over that slot position, Russell Gage is a great candidate. Really, the question is, can he stay healthy? Because I truly believe, Adam, if he is healthy, if he has his speed, Russell Gage thrives in a yard-after-the-catch type of system. And that's exactly what this offense is. So if Russell Gage can regain his speed, that was the name of his game. And that's why... Last year was so disappointing because he wasn't able to put on the afterburners, as they say. And he was still able to manage, I believe, seven touchdowns, which is pretty good considering all the injuries that he had last year. I think that was second most on the Bucs, or it was at least up there towards the top. So I know a lot of people are down on Russell Gage, and I can't really fault them for having a negative view of Russell Gage. I mean, the Bucs obviously cut his salary a little bit just to keep him. But don't completely give up on Russell Gage just yet. As you said, the big catch down the sideline from Wolford uh, in seven on sevens, he was making a ton of catches, some of them short, but that's kind of how this offense is. But he was over the middle in that slot type of area. This is something that I think is going to get overlooked by other teams is what Russell Gage can bring to the Bucs. Yeah, and very quietly, he's had like a very underrated career. The past four seasons... Uh, His lowest reception total was 49, and last year he had 51 catches for being injured and not being 100% for much of the year with his hamstring injury and still playing within the confines of a Byron Leftwich offense. He was still able to be a consistent target for Tom Brady, and I don't see that changing this year for either Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask because for Russell Gage, he's kind of a do-it-all receiver. He has the speed. I think it's something in like the four threes. He's really fast. Not maybe not as fast as Trey Palmer, but in the slot, he he's lethal. And if it's like a slant route, as you mentioned, yards after the catch, he can get him in bunches. So it'll be really interesting to see for Mike, Mike Evans. He recently said that this is the most open he's felt in years. Yeah. So game game planning, the wide receivers, Russell Gage can be a really unique target. 
we've seen Russell Gage get targeted, but we we haven't seen him in those catch the ball and go type of situations, like hitting a slant and just keep running. It was always he excuse me, he either had to dive to make the catch or he's making the reception on like a button hook, so his back is faced away from going up the field, so he'd get tackled almost instantly. So there it in a new look offense, you get him on the right path, moving in the correct direction. That goes a long way for Russell Russell Gage's game specifically. And Shaggy with the question says, can Gage stay healthy? That's the whole thing because yeah. he, he has been healthy all of his career until he went to the Buccaneers. And then he got that hamstring injury and it was kind of curtains after that. And then that hamstring injury came back this season. And it's quite interesting because, Adam, this is before you started covering the Bucs, but back in 2019, Bruce Arians' first year, the Bucs had a litany of hamstring injuries that all occurred late in the season. It happened to Mike Evans. It happened to Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller as well. So I like think Rashad- that's when and Antonio Brown was like the only wide receiver, right, coming back? No, this was 2019. So oh, AB, 20. okay. AB was – was he fighting with the Raiders yet? I Someone. Yeah, he's fighting with someone. We can guarantee that he's fighting with someone. But it got to the point where Brashad Perryman, in his first stint with the Bucs, was like the top wide receiver. And he had like a crazy game with over 100 yards. It was against the Lions. And there's this whole thing because like he grew up in that area. His dad played for the Lions. So it was like actually a pretty cool story. But the hamstring injury has been something that has hurt the Bucs for multiple years now. Uh, Mike Evans seems to get a little bit of a hamstring injury year in and year out. And the scary thing about it is that because it's a soft tissue, it's not like a broken bone where it's like, all right, you'll be good in a month or whatever it is. Or kind of what's going on with with uh, Kalijah Kansi to a degree. The hamstring issue, like one day could be good. Then it could flare up. Then you're good for two days, but then you go a little bit too hard and you're, you're back to square one. It's very, very touch and go with hamstring injuries. So with Russell Gage, again, got injured last year. Wasn't fully healthy, but tried to push it because it's the NFL and you kind of need all hands on deck. And then he got hurt in the spring again. Now it's like, okay, is he fully healthy? Like, did the Bucks wait? Are, like, are they being extra, extra cautious by bringing yeah. him back a week into training camp? Or is this the right move to begin with? It's really tough to, to, to give an answer at this moment. Yeah, and it's kind of been hard to evaluate Russell Gage since he joined the Bucs because even last season, playing through his hamstring injury, there'd be weeks he wouldn't practice all week, and then he had to go out yeah. there for game day. So just kind of getting in rhythm, getting in sync is going to be really important. And speaking of hamstrings, kind of playing off that, he needs to string together some really good practices and preseason games because wide receivers behind him are emerging. You have Trey yes. Palmer, Devin Tompkins, uh, Raheem Jarrett, and also David Moore, I feel like, makes a couple plays every single practice period. So with all those receivers in queue, Russell Gage really needs to start balling out. And today was a great first step towards that. Yes, a great, great, great beginning to hopefully something that he can continuously do. Because if it's a one-day thing and a flash in the pan, that yeah. doesn't do much for the Bucks. And no one really played that well today anyway. So did Russell Gage play that well or just everyone else kind of underperform it was funny you mentioned like the younger wide receivers we had started just you and i and bailey and at, uh, at practice today trying to kind of rank 
wide receivers four through six, seven. We went all the way to like nine, yeah, 10, like 11. 10. Yeah. But assuming it's, it's, well, it's Mike and Chris, there's no assumption there. And then Russell Gage three, you could stack in a couple of, the, like you could make an argument for a couple of different players at four, five, and six. I, I think, I don't want to say general consensus, and you can put in whatever order you want, Adam. But I think Trey Palmer's probably wide receiver four at this point. Yep. And partially getting the nod because he was drafted versus some of these other guys are undrafted free agents. But after that, man, it's, it's really it's, open. It's very, very open. I, I personally would put Raheem Jarrett at, uh, at five. And at six, man, I mean – I, I think Tompkins? it's got to, yeah, it's got to be Devin Tompkins. Devin Tompkins made the unreal play the other night. He's been here for a year. He can do kick returns as well, which obviously is super important. But you have him at six. I mean, not far off is is more who we just talked about. Cade Warner is very much in the mix. Kalen Geiger, yeah, Kalen Geiger as well. Tay Barber's kind of slipped off a little bit. Same with Ryan Miller since he kind of you know. Got shot out of a cannon, but there's a long way to go, and there's a ton of talent at that wide receiver position. So everybody's got to keep it going because no one is letting down. And we actually spoke to Baker Mayfield after practice today where he gave some kudos to Devin Tompkins and Rakeem Jarrett specifically. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, those two guys, I mean, Devin can jump out the gym. I mean, not, not the biggest guy by any means, but he, he can really, really jump. So uh, he made a play like that in mandatory mini camp with, with me, just kind of a 50-50 ball where he goes up and his body control is unbelievable. And King Jarrett, obviously a young guy that I think we got a huge steal out of him, uh, extremely talented. The way he uh, is able to run his routes and stay grounded through the catch, he's not jumping up for balls that are hitting him in the face, he's catching it and finishing through. So that's there's little natural tendencies that you really can't teach um, that, that, that are pretty special about those two guys. And yeah, the younger guys, it's just, it's a lot being thrown at them when you put the pads on, they have the whole installs in. So uh, I think for the most part, they're really handling well. And, and I think our younger tight ends are doing a really, really good job too. Yeah. So there you have from Baker Mayfield. We'll talk a little bit more about Baker later, but I, I, I think we should, it's only fair to discuss the defense and the type oh, yeah. of day that they had, Adam, because this was a day that was won by the Bucks defense. I mean, Bailey Adams did the practice report today, and the headline was defense rules the day for Tampa Bay, and that's absolutely the case, Adam. Why don't you tell the Pewter people a little bit about the performance that uh, they had on defense? Yeah, so Pewter people – the secondary for the Bucks was really sharp today and not allowing the receivers to create much separation. That's kind of where I want to start. You had guys like Kayvon Merriweather had a really nice play near the goal line, shutting down Payne Durham. Payne Durham yeah. made a one-handed catch, and it looked yeah. like being 6'6", 250 around there, he was going to get in the end zone. Kayvon Merriweather said, nope, nope, I got to make the play. Nah, nah, nah. Kembe Matumbo. So that was a really nice play. Chris Izian, uh, Anthony Chesley had really good pass breakups in the secondary. You also had Nolan Turner. Uh, I What stood out to me is he was in the slot a little bit. He played mm -hmm. as a deep safety. He played alongside another safety, just kind of being versatile there. And he almost had an interception, but the ball like just straight up hit him. If he would have reacted like a second sooner, he would have had an interception. So for all those guys in the secondary, being young, unproven, they're starting to show out. And kind of carrying that forward, Ryan Neal, 
at safety and Levante David had would be sacks today and kind of coming off the edge and being versatile. Ryan Neal, he said, everybody's getting their chance. And that's what he really likes about Todd Bowles defense is kind of playing, kind of playing free, but also having the ability when they get their chance to really take it in stride. And so that's what stood out to me today was for the defense is really capitalizing on the chances they're getting. Yeah, the, the play by Kayvon Merriweather was awesome. Let, let's talk about that for a moment because yeah. it was it was at the end of practice and the Bucks did a a, a two minute drill. Both Baker and Trask had the opportunity to you know push the ball down the field. Baker, I don't think he specifically struggled. Just guys didn't get open. He yeah. had to scramble. He didn't get the first down. I don't look at that as like a gigantic loss for Baker Mayfield. Cue everyone saying that we're you know we're uh, favoring Baker over Kyle Trask. Baker bias. Yeah, is Baker real. bias. That's what it is right now. But then Trask was able to move it down the field, got down to about the – really about like the three-yard line, I want to say, something like that. And it was fourth and goal, as you talked about. The Bucks tried to run the offense, I should say. They're, both, they're all Buccaneers. Um, they tried to run a pick play to get Payne Durham open. And Durham had a touchdown in the night practice uh, two days before. So – He's starting to get into the swing of things. He's probably been one of the slower developing rookies in terms of this year's draft class, but a long way to go. So I wouldn't be concerned yeah. about Payne Durham just yet. But there was a pick play, as you said, Adam, made that one-handed catch. And then this, because they were in shells, there's not really like tackling or anything, but Durham was diving for that goal line. And Kayvon Mayweather, as, as we talked about, like he was going to make sure that did not happen. He got tackled at like, the one or two yard line. We were actually right in the corner as well. So yeah. we were going like that. Uh, we were going like that too. It vaguely reminded me of, and it's a little bit different and way bigger stakes, but the Super Bowl, you probably weren't even alive yet, but the Rams Titans Super Bowl hmm. way back in the day. It was like Kevin Dyson, the wide receiver. Yeah. The and he, and he dove out and tried to get the ball into the end zone, but was tackled at, at like the one yard line. It very much had that feel of like all make or break trying to get after it. And Kayvon Merriweather made the big play. And it was cool to see as well, because Peter reports, JC Allen actually wrote a story that we published that morning about the Bucks coaches, Todd Bowles in particular, being a big fan of the IQ and, and the intelligence that Merriweather has brought to his game. So early on as a rookie, as an undrafted free agent, and just understanding that it's fourth down, as long as he doesn't get in the end zone, that's a win for the defense. That's a football IQ right there. Like, he wasn't just trying to make the stop. He made sure that he got him all the way out of bounds before you can even get to that goal line. So that was a fantastic play by Kayvon Merriweather. It was literally the last play of practice, which was um, really cool to see. Levante David almost had an interception off of Baker Mayfield. Probably should have had that one. Great blitz by Levante, Ryan Neal blitzing all over the place. And, and someone that you didn't mention that deserves a lot of props, Greg Gaines, the defensive tackle, former college roommate of Vita Bea. Gaines had a snaps now. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had a tackle for loss in the backfield during red zone slash goal line type of drills. He had another good pass rush, and he's not necessarily known for his pass rushing ability. But it's good to see him get into the mix a little bit and the Bucks defense was just a blitzing machine. I mean, I think they only allowed two touchdowns in all practice and one was red zone 11 on 11. The other one was seven on seven with no pass rush or anything like that. So 
Uh, huge, huge shout out to the Bucks defense today for what they did. So I'll ask you, Adam, you know the Bucs are blitzing a ton. How do you feel the Bucks' offensive line is looking against this blitz or just in the pass rush in general? I know we don't have to worry about Tristan yeah. Burks, but I have a couple of concerns, but I'm wondering where your head's at with it. Yeah, there definitely is concerns along the offensive line. Like, as you mentioned, Tristan Wirfs, he's fine. He has one spot held down. Now, the other four spots is where it gets interesting because Matt Filer and Cody Mauk at the guard position, they haven't necessarily impressed, I would say. Yeah. Ryan Jensen, there's obviously the big question mark with his injury. So sure. far, you haven't really seen him looking 100% or like his and he's not self. doing te- And he's not doing team drills, so it's tough to yeah. – It's tough. It's to, really hard um, to gauge that. Exactly. No pun intended to Russ. <laughs> and um, for Robert Hainsey, I honestly feel like he's looked better, and he's probably one of the better offensive linemen that I've seen. And Luke Gedeke, there's still the question on the right side at right tackle. He hasn't really answered those questions just yet, obviously – only about a week and a half in training camp, the preseason will really tell just how far the offensive line is going. And we get to see it up close, uh, the media and the offensive line drills and seeing the coaches yelling and trying to get them like on the right foot uh, with their technique and hand placement. It just seems so far there's more struggles than success there. You mentioned foot. We're about to speak about the kicking battle which we have in in a couple of days on this podcast but first we got to talk about the presenting sponsor of the peter report podcast gives you a real kickstart to your morning afternoon or evening depending on when you're having it celsius energy the new cosmic vibe the sparkling fruit punch one of their newest flavors definitely got to check it out all their flavors are fantastic can't go wrong with the lemon lime or the orange or the grape the uh, cucumber lime as well. I had that the other day. Um, Arctic Vibes, my personal favorite. And so many awesome flavors to choose from. Uh, no sugar, no uh, post-energy drink crash or jitters that you might get with another product out there. So if you need to know where to get a Celsius energy drink, go to the store locator on their website. Punch in your address and it will show you the closest location to pick one up at your local convenience store or your bodega. Speaking of Bodega, preseason football tonight, the New York Jets. Um, who Bucks? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, once you go to your Bodega and you want more, that's when you go over to Amazon. Do the subscribe and save. You can have Celsius sent to your residence every week, quarterly, monthly, yearly, whenever you want. Get that variety pack because as we talked about, there's an abundance of flavors. There's so many, so don't limit yourself to one. Variety is the spice of life. Make Celsius your number one pick. Celsius, the official energy drink of PeterReport.com. Adam, something odd was going on in the kicking game uh, today. Yeah. And I'm curious as well, why was really just Rodrigo Blankenship that was kicking? Yeah, he had some real issues today with uh, the first kick he had and the last kick. On the first one, he shanked it, hit the upright, the left upright. And then the last one was just completely botched. It was way short, way to the left. And it's really a cause for concern. And I wonder if his his specs are really working out there because it was a struggle for him. And for Chase McLaughlin, I thought with his kicks, he looked pretty solid. And he might have 
the upper foot, if you will, in the kicking competition. Oh, good pun there. Yeah, and it's so interesting that these two kickers have battled against each other before, going yeah. back to their days in Indianapolis. And what was concerning about Rodrigo Blankenship, and I'm not going to say this is a long-term sustainable concern, because really, especially for the kickers, it's going to come down to what they do in the preseason games. But, you know, you miss a close one off the post, that stuff type of, that kind of stuff happens. But it was the second missed one. And I get that it was from further out. I don't know the exact distance, but it's probably 50 something. But he missed it egregiously left. It wasn't even like it missed a little bit or or it wasn't like five yards short. No, it was like like shankopotamus. That's like when you see a golfer miss badly, it looked like that. It looked like, um, I guess like we could 50 just cent throwing out the first pitch. And yes, it looked like 50 cent throwing out the first pitch. That's a great <laughs> analogy there. It looked like Blair Walsh in that playoff game for the Vikings against the Seahawks when they were down 10-9 and he had a chip shot field goal to win the game with no time left and he just missed it left. It was like really, really far left. And I'm not saying this is going to decide the kicker competition right then and there because there's so much more time to go. But that was an alarming miss from Rodrigo Blankenship. And you might be onto something with the goggles, man, because I don't I don't wear goggles. I wear sunglasses when I'm at practice. But yeah, the the humidity and whatever was going on, my my sunglasses were like fogged up as soon as I like walked outside. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just a combination of being out there every single day. Very nice sunglasses, too. Some Gucci sunglasses. So I know they're high quality. And, yeah, fogged up real quick. I hope that's not the case for Rodrigo Blankenship. I mean, he's playing in Indy where you're indoors um, a fair amount. But, yeah, I don't know. So that's just a little update on the kicking competition for everybody. Any other thoughts on on it? I mean, we also saw a little bit of Jake Camarda as well. We got to give a shout-out to Josh Cable. right there. Saw him punting away. Do you think he can make the Pro Bowl this year? I think so. I think he has a really good shot. Last year, saw his leg on full display. There was punts where he just boomed it, like 65, 70 yards. He did it pretty consistently, too. And obviously, he had the one play where he's showing off his athleticism. If he puts it together, he could be one of the best punters in football. I hope they run a fake with him this year. I know last year there was a a, a debauchery with the fake, but that was a direct snap to the running back, so Jake Camarda was not involved. Camarda was only involved on that one play because, again, another botch with the snap or whatever went on there. But, yeah, he could be utilized in certain fakes, but, you know, you can't do it once a year because then teams kind of figure it out. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see how that happens. Let's um, let's talk about the quarterback, shall we? I mean, okay. it's what everybody wants to know. No turnovers by the Bucks quarterbacks today. I think that is the positive uh, of this. And like we said, it was a great day for the defense. So there were just things that the defense was taken away. No quarterback was bad by any means. And it very much was a positive that Baker Mayfield did not throw an interception. But to that point, I think the best quarterback that was out there today and we're not just blowing smoke to be fun about it. John Wolford had another like really, really solid day at quarterback. 
yeah, he really, I thought he did. Obviously, there was a play to Russell Gage. Uh, I think the next play, he scrambled outside the pocket, kind of showing that elusiveness. Yeah. And for John Wolford, very underrated as the box number three quarterback. Obviously, he's not in the mix to start week one with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, but definitely a clear upgrade over Ryan Griffin. And I feel that John Wolford had a really solid day. And for all the comparisons for Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, I don't want to make too much of all of Baker Mayfield's interceptions because today during his press conference, he mentioned trying stuff out. And now's the time to get on the same page as your wide receivers. And so for Baker Mayfield, while he's thrown a lot of interceptions, I wouldn't necessarily make so much of it because now's the time you have to between now the preseason games. It's not something you want to do during the regular season. So it's good to get it out of the way now. Yeah. You know, that's something that Kyle Trask talked about in last year's training camp that I was thinking about and kind of resonated with me is that this is the time to mess up. You know, this is the time to figure things out. And I think what's really difficult and I'm not defending Baker here by any means because some of the interceptions, they're just uncalled for, really. But I think what really is the issue for all of these quarterbacks is that because there's a competition and there hasn't been a starter named and obviously someone has to outplay the other or not play as worse as the other for Todd Bowles to come up with a decision, every single throw that – Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask make are under a microscope. I mean, we, we are all, excuse me. We are already doing the tracker of, uh, you know, (laughs) Baker has five. Kyle Trask has one. John Wolford has one. Every single time we all rush to judgment and understandably so, but we don't know with every single interception, with every single play, what was the right move? Was it the right read or was it hmm i want to see if i can get away with this type of can i fit it in the tight window instead of just hitting the short check down for five yards let me try double coverage one time exactly is this where i take my shot can i do this in a game can i do this against minnesota in week one or against the bears at home in week two this is where you really find those things out and it's come to hurt baker a little bit more than kyle trask and there's really it's tough to kind of decide it one way or another, but Baker was also super, super honest about the fact that he hasn't played well over the past couple of days. He said today was better, but overall um, he struggled the, the past couple of ones. He was bluntly honest about it. And uh, let's just get to the video of Baker talking about what hasn't been working for him the past couple of days, how he rebounded today and kind of finding that balance of, making the right place to win a quarterback competition, but also getting better through learning what you can do and what you can't do. Uh, yeah, I think today was better than the, the previous two. Um, yeah, I, I think when you get the pads on for, for quarterbacks, it, it's still, uh, yeah, bodies are flying around, but you still have to just go through your reads, take care of the ball. Um, and, and you're taking chances and, and trying stuff out during camp. Um, but it, it still comes back to taking care of the ball. So today was a better day for the offense overall and better for me as well. So, uh, yeah, we're stringing it together. We're, and it's all just slowing down. It's becoming smaller and smaller based on, you know, what we're really teaching. Uh, have a lot in. So, 
uh, like these call it periods where we're really just playing football, moving, moving the ball periods, or really coming together. You're trying to see guys, um, like we talked about last week, how they react in certain situations with, with actual football being played. Uh, yeah, we just need to cut down the penalties and, and, and hone in our uh, assignments. <laughs> you definitely have to hit the reset button with receivers and tight ends, guys that are running routes and pads. It's, uh, it's a lot different when you put the pads on and guys are, are getting contacted or how they're moving around with the extra weight on. So uh, you do have to get used to it a little bit, but, but now we're just trying to get on the same page, you know, the little details of how we want a, a certain route run against different coverages and, and fighting through contact, making sure they still get their depth even though they're getting collision. And so, uh, and that's why it's great to have the referees out here to where we can actually talk through things, what's legal, what's not legal, and, and have it uh, more game-like. Uh, like I mentioned, the, the two practices previous to this one were not, not my best by any means. And so, I, you know, we look at it, footwork was a little off, um, just being out of rhythm. And, and so just getting back to that. And I think uh, it was a lot better for me today, obviously, to go back in and watch the tape. But uh, just being able to, to go back in and see, all right, my footwork was timing up the read, and that's why I was able to get the ball out and take care of it. We have our, like, two-minute situational stuff in, like, third down period. Uh, to me, that's when you really want to take care of the ball. It's when you want to treat it more game-like, you know, Third down period, you always want to end up with the ball in your own hands. Obviously, you want to convert, but a punt's better than them getting it with a short field. So treating it like that, but then uh, uncertain looks, you know, just one-on-one balls, 50-50 balls, just, just trying out certain guys, seeing how they're reacting to competitive catch, contested catches, things like that. So uh, there's give and take, but then situational football, it's, it's time to treat it like a real game. Yeah, and that's kind of what Baker was talking about with the, with that last clip at the end of, you know, two minutes is really when you treat it like a game situation, can't turn over the ball, you know, do or die type of situation. And there's other 11 on 11, seven on sevens, things like that, where you can, uh, where you can try to not mess around, but try to, you know, tinker with some stuff, try to just, Try to go a little bit outside of your your regular abilities to see if you can add a little something something to your repertoire. Now Baker really had one of the only two touchdowns on the day. It was a rollout to the right side. He found David Moore for a touchdown. The other one was uh, John Wolford in seven on seven. Uh, Kalen Geiger, shout out to him, second year player. Um, got a couple of footsteps ahead of rookie Josh Hayes and was able to, uh, you know, beat him. Wolford hit him right in the bread basket, and he took it the rest of the way for a touchdown. But outside of that, I think Keyshawn Vaughn had a rushing touchdown as well. Yeah. But there was not many scores for the Bucks offense, and there were red zone drills. <laughs> you know, the, it wasn't it wasn't like they only went from the 40 to the other 40, like, they were close to the end zone and just weren't able to get it done that day. Now the two minute drill is where there was a little brief shift. I don't know if you want to segment into that, but between the two quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, it looked like Kyle Trask had better control of the offense leading the team down the field in the two minute drill. Yeah. uh, Connecting with wide receivers. I think tight, tight end David Wells up the middle, up the seam. And he definitely directed it superior to Mayfield although again it was a really give and take kind of day with between the offense and the defense and the defense really shining no question about it and what also makes this extremely difficult is once again like if you if you just looked at that two-minute drill you'd say oh Kyle Trask was great assertive 
move the ball down the field, just looks comfortable. He's running a ton still. Still, yeah. every single time Kyle Trask is running. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing at the moment. Like, is he running too quickly? I'm leaning towards no, just going out and watching. And uh, I would love to go back and watch the tape. We don't have access to the Bucks practice tape, but I would love to see that tape. And if Kyle's running too early, if he's correct with all the judgment judgments that he's making, because it's so interesting because Trask, we know he's gotten lean. He's way more mobile, but has never been known as a mobile guy where Baker has been that mobile guy, has been known to move around. It was his today first was the, scramble today. Today was the first day we saw Baker Mayfield actually scramble, where Trask has been doing it the entire time. But the part that's really difficult to to really judge is, yeah, Trask was way better in the two-minute drill, getting rid of the ball, all the completions to the players that you just mentioned. But once again, Baker had the play of the day, outside of the Wolford seven-on-seven pass to Kaylin Geiger, in 11-on-11s, Baker had the best play where he hit Mike Evans in stride about 30 yards down the field, um, down the left sideline. Okay coverage, too, on the play. It wasn't like yeah. Mike was wide open by any means. Where are the Bucks grading the big plays, the splash plays down the field versus the high-volume completion percentage that Kyle Trask is getting a little bit more? That's why this preseason game – it's going to be crucial no matter what. Yeah. But that's where we'll finally find out. Is Baker throwing some of these interceptions because he's trying to find the, the right recipe? Can Kyle Trask continue? If Kyle Trask does exactly what he's been doing in training camp in the preseason games, it's going to be tough to say that Kyle Trask is not deserving uh, of the job. But it's so neck and neck. A little play like Baker to Mike Evans might be the difference in all of this. Yeah, and it's really interesting because Todd Bowles and Dave Canales, they've come out and said they're not being graded on like a play-by-play basis. They don't have a tally sheet where they're like plus, minus, plus, minus. It's really as the practice as a whole. How are they doing in terms of creating plays, limiting turnovers? And they have a better idea when they go back and watch the film. Hey, was that Baker interception? What, What were the circumstances behind it? Was he just taking a shot? Did he know there was a check down option? And kind of really evaluating it that way. So again, it's really hard to tell right now in training camp. But when you get into the preseason games and you can see it on display against an opposing defense, what they're doing, that's when you're really going to see just how tight the quarterback competition is. But right now, it's 1A and 1B. It's really hard to tell just who is going to be the starter in week one because it's so up in the air. It'll be very important to watch all these preseason games, not just the Bucs games, but uh, all the matchups around the league so you can help draft your team for underdog fantasy and their best ball mania, which you can do before the season. It's the biggest fantasy football contest ever with $15 million in prizes. $3 million goes to the first place winner. It's a $25 entry. But what's cool is you just set it and forget it with your lineup. You don't got to worry about trades, the waiver wire, anything like that. Best Ball Mania is a ton of fun. You can sign up with the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and get uh, a little bonus when you do sign up if you want to use it towards Best Ball Mania with that $15 million in prizes and $3 million to the first place winner. Um, there's also they have a lot of different tournaments that go on during the year. So don't feel like 
Uh, you're going to miss out on one or the other because they always, always are going on. They have a $5 million regular season pool, a $10 million playoff pool. Um, you can set up a league with your friends or coworkers or other people if you want to. Pewter Report's going to be starting up a league as well. And you can do a lot of individual um, picks as well, individual bets with, um, you know, head-to-head, one player over another, over-unders on players. So a lot of exciting things to get going over at Underdog Fantasy, including their best ball mania. So use the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and start using Underdog Fantasy today. I think it is cool that there is, I mean, everyone loves football. Everyone watching this show is a fan of football for a reason. And what's cool, besides the fact that there's football on tonight, is the Jets are playing, which is awesome. I personally love that, as everyone knows. They're playing yep. against the Browns. But the Bucks have that joint training camp practice in a couple of weeks against the New York Jets. And the Hall of Fame game, you know, like Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be playing. A lot of the starter, none of the starters going to be playing. But there are a lot of backups that will be participating that you're going to see the Bucks bubble players going up against in New York or New Jersey when this goes on. Like some of the top wide receivers in this game, that's who Keenan Isaac is going to be guarding. Same thing with the cornerbacks for the Jets. That's who Raheem Jarrett is going to be lining up against and Cade Warner and, and Tay Barber and all of these guys. So even though the Bucks aren't playing tonight and I'm sure there'll be a lot of Rondé Barber coverage, which will be super oh, yeah. cool. There's still something you can kind of get from this game and look forward to, um, you know, another matchup in a couple of weeks when the Bucks play against the Jets. And of course we're only a couple of days from the Bucks first preseason game. So that's always a lot of fun. Yeah. And just kind of going off that, I really like this comment here from Wayne uh, it'll be very interesting this year in the preseason going up against three good defenses. Now, granted, there isn't going to be all the starters out there uh, yeah. when the Bucks play the Steelers. TJ Watt's probably not going to be out there playing a ton. Yeah. But <laughs> it's also a great test to see the Bucks going up against defenses led by Mike Tomlin, Robert Sala. Uh, Baltimore always has a really good defense. Can't exactly remember their defensive coordinator, but just being able to go up against them and get some quality reps, I think will be huge. And again, you point to the quarterbacks, but also the backup players. Todd Bowles, he's gone out of his way to mention there's a lot of backup roles that players are competing for. You have 27 rookies. 30% of the roster is a rookie class, which is astonishing, and it just speaks volumes to just how much younger and faster the Bucs are getting. And it'll be an opportunity to kind of see some under-the-radar rookies, if you will, a guy like Keenan Isaac, who yeah. he's really impressed. Maybe we haven't talked about him enough for what he's done. And it'll be interesting with him going up against top-of-the-line receivers. I know we've mentioned one-on-one, uh, -on -one, like, going up against Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, what, what he's able to do. That's just one rookie. So seeing all of them, seeing all the backups, it's going to be – it's going to make for some really interesting football. No question about it. A couple other news and notes from practice on the injury front. Carlton Davis did return. He missed the last two practices with a uh, bruised shoulder, as said by Todd Bowles. Now, today he warmed up a little bit, did some individual stuff, but he wasn't even uh, – he was just in his shorts and his jersey. He really didn't put on a, a helmet too much. So Carlton Davis very much easing his way back into uh, practice. The only other player that missed was outside linebacker Charles Snowden. 
Um, we're not sure exactly what his injury is at the moment, if he's going to be out for uh, a little while or if it's just a, a one-day thing. Ryan Jensen was in pads today, but he's sticking to the same routine of uh, practicing one day, not practicing the next day, and he has not been involved in uh, team drills just yet. So that's always something we're going to keep an eye on once they start ramping it up for Ryan Jensen. He'll probably be off tomorrow. You know, Shaq Barrett gets a couple of rest days here and there as well. So that's all the updates from the injury front. Obviously, Kalijah Kansi not practicing just yet. Uh, some other news and notes. I know we talked about Kayvon Merriweather, but uh, Chris Isian also had a uh, pass breakup, which it was a nice play for him. Um, obviously, Keith Armstrong, the special teams coach, likes him from a uh, special teams perspective with his um, – with his speed and uh, Andy Chesley is, is another yeah. guy that has been making some plays. He's got a lot of speed as well. I, I posted a video on my Twitter the other day. It was early, obviously, because the media was able to yeah. um, take video and they were doing uh, punt coverage drills. And he was the gunner going up against two guys blocking against him. And literally he just ran right by them. He ran across and then up went untouched and everyone else was being physical. It wasn't like this was a non-contact type of drill. Like, no, all the other ones, good battles, blocking, pushing and shoving in a positive way. This one, Chesley just completely, completely ran by everybody. And he was making some plays today as well, which was good to see. So, you know, the Bucks wanted to get fast and there is speed almost everywhere on this team. Wide receiver, cornerback, even their offensive line is going to be quicker. Not, not that you really want to rely on that. And um, the last piece of the puzzle really is kind of the tight end room. What, what are yeah. they going to bring to this? They're younger situation? and faster. They are. They are definitely young. <laughs> there is no question yeah. about that. We did speak to Kate Otten today about a number of different topics. Uh, obviously, everyone wants to know about the quarterback, what everyone's uh, you know thoughts are about that. And for Cade, this is a super interesting year because it's year two. So you would think he's a little bit more comfortable. He knows the area. There's, um, you know, teammates that he's familiar with. But there's also learning this new offense. So we got his thoughts about the offense, how it fits in particular to the tight end position, and his thoughts on Dave Canales and a couple of other things. So let's get to the video of Cade yeah, it's a little different, and there's there's a bunch of different nuances that go with it, like footwork and hand placement, all those things. And Coach Van Dam's done a great job of you know learning that stuff with us, and then coaching us up on it as a group. And so um, you know we're still growing, we're still getting used to it, but uh, I think we're doing really well as a group so far. Okay, what does this offense do specifically for the tight end position in the passing game? Because we've seen already you down the seams making big plays and the tight ends in general. Is it more advantageous to, to the tight end position? Yeah, I think so. And Coach Canales has talked about marrying the run in the pass. And so as tight ends, kind of the, the link between those two things, we, we get great opportunities in the play action game. And, and then just at our position, working in the middle of the field, um, you know, we're, we're early in reads and stuff. And so it's been great seeing guys make plays in the tight end room. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty inexperienced bunch overall, but I think you see all of our guys playing with confidence, playing fast, and I think the, the offense does a great job of us in those positions. On the tight ends, were you there? Yeah, yeah, we have. And, oh, it's, it's fun. I know a couple of those guys and um, just, 
being able to see how they are used and kind of know the, the terminology behind they are doing. It's always kind of fun when you're watching another team and, and you know their offense. It's just like being able to think of the formations and the motions they're doing and the, the play and how the tight ends are fitting into it. And so it's fun to watch Seattle's film and then um, kind of project that to our offense and to our gear and see how we'll fit in. And it looks promising. We're super excited. He's He's been awesome. He, I think I speak for all the guys that when I say that we all love him and love the energy he brings every single day. He's very he's very positive, but he's also constructive. He knows his stuff and, and expects a high level of execution. So I think that's just a really great combination of things when you have a coach. And um, I think you can see that in the way we're playing. We're playing fast, we're playing confident, and uh, I think we're growing a lot. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just really excited to see what this this year we become as an offense. Yeah, Kate Auden is a uh, student of the game, and Adam, he's been studying that Seahawks offense. Yeah, so for the Seahawks offense, really interesting that he made that reference. And it's also unique how Seattle used their three tight ends last year. He had Noah Fant. Uh, Will Disley and Colby Parkinson, they combined for 109 receptions for 11, over 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. So in reality, from their three tight ends, they got Travis Kelsey-like production yeah. out of them. And that really speaks volumes to the scheme and utilization of the tight ends within Seattle's offense. And for quarterback Geno Smith, it really allowed him to have a, like quality security blankets underneath. And then also... Uh, Kate Otten, he spoke about Dave Canales marrying the run in the pass. Mm. With the tight ends being able to block, it opens up the play action if they do that successfully. And from there, they can really utilize the tight ends however they see fit, whether that's stretching them down the middle of the seam. You've seen that uh, throughout the preseason. Kate Otten actually made a really nice catch during one of the practices. So yeah. for the Bucks tight ends, it's going to be really interesting to see how they're utilized with Kate Otten leading the way and he has every opportunity, although it's going to be a challenge to learn the offense. Once he does, he's primed to be the number one tight end and really be a quality one at that. We have a 499 super chat from Spider-Man, not Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Uh, thank you so much for the super chat. They say, I don't think we'll see what the QBs are made of until the preseason games. A lot of players look great in practice, but falter when the game day starts. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. You see it every year in the preseason. Yeah. There are some guys that don't do much in practice. And then when the lights are on, they shine and, and come up big in the, uh, in, in the preseason game. And then there's other guys that dominate in the preseason and then don't do as much, uh, sorry, in like practice and training camp and don't do as much in the uh, preseason game itself so for the quarterbacks specifically in this it's kind of tough to tell again kind of going back to what we talked about will baker will he still have those turnovers when it matters the most in the preseason game or is he really just working on specific things and if it works great and if it's not well that's what practice is for we don't really exactly. know until the bucks play the steelers yeah, and in the first preseason game in particular, it's still really hard to fully weigh the performance of the players just because a lot of them are rusty. And as you mentioned, like some of them will be already in in-season form and other ones are going to be still catching up. So 
I would say like the second and third preseason game is when you're going to see a lot of the starters playing, especially the second game. And yeah. also just seeing how they're able to perform once they kind of get that first game out of the way. It's like getting the jitters out again. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Did we play the video of uh, Baker talking about competition, how he's competed his whole life? No. I don't think we have. Yeah, so Baker was kind of making the point because, you know, he was drafted first overall, didn't have too much competition with uh, with the Browns. But he makes a great point that he's had to compete in so many different ways, going back to his days at Texas Tech, to Oklahoma, and the Browns. So it's a quick video. We'll play it. Uh, I had to win the job at Texas Tech as a walk-on. When I got to Oklahoma, I sat out of here and still had to compete for the job. And then in Cleveland, I got drafted. Terod Taylor was still a starting quarterback, so I had to compete my whole life. This is nothing new to me. Yeah, so he's he's been in this situation before. I don't think he's going to be worried about a, a couple of bad days. And he seemed to have turned the corner, at least today. And then going back to Kate Otten, who I'm super excited for this year, he talked about the, the quarterback competition as well, what he's seen from it. Yeah, it's it's been super fun to – you know, they're, they're both great guys, and, you know, they, they both support each other. But um, just seeing a high level of competition like that from such a unique position like a quarterback, it's it's really fun to watch. You know, they're both doing a great job. I, I love getting to work with both of them. And uh, I think just each time one person raises their game, the other person is going to do the same because they're competitive, they're smart, um, they're talented. And so it's going to be really fun to see how that plays out. I'm excited to be a part of it. Super. Another thing you want to see play out well is where your finances are going to. And if you need assistance with managing your money, there's no better place to go to than a Muni Financial. At a Muni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. That's right. Muni Financial has proudly been serving clients across the country since 1980. So you can be anywhere in this beautiful country of ours and Muni Financial can help you out. They have advisory services, brokerage, uh, brokerage services, legacy and retirement planning, insurance services, annuities, sales and training. And uh, they can also help you setting up a college account. If you have a, a kid that's going to college, college soon, you got to start saving up for that. Muni Financial is the place to go to. So give them a call for a free consultation. That is Muni Financial. All right, as we wrap things up, this is not the last episode of the week. I know it's a Thursday, but because of training camp, we've uh, expanded some, some days with episodes, and we will tomorrow with an episode at 4 o'clock Eastern. It'll be myself and uh, James Hill from pewterreport.com, recapping everything from practice. But in the meantime, please follow us on our social media, at Pewter Report on Instagram, Facebook, X, formerly known as Twitter, still getting used to that one, Threads as well. And, of course, our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. Please like and subscribe to our channel. We always have videos coming out from practice, from press conferences, different clips, podcast clips as well, and, of course, the full show that we do anywhere from four to five times 
per week. So a lot of content from pewterreport.com. We just had uh, another Baker Mayfield story come out before. There's a story on tight end, Kate Otten, that Adam wrote that's coming up uh, under an hour from now. So a lot of stories. Make sure you check it out all on PeterReport.com. And that's going to do it for us on today's show. For Adam Slavon, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. Football tonight. Let's go. Happy birthday, Tom.